Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. I'm Daryl McMullen, and this is a show dedicated to understanding the human condition, the impact it has on us, how we respond to it, how we can exceed the expectations and limitations of this world, in essence, how we can level up and live lives that serve a higher purpose. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It is May 11th, and things are taking a turn when it comes to the coronavirus and quarantining. Uh, Basically, it looks like we are kind of coming to the end of this portion of it, and that the state and local governments are starting to open things back up. I believe that pretty soon they'll they'll move into the next phase which opens up a variety of different establishments um, who knows what that means for for us and uh, heading back to work rather than working from home but definitely some some changes even though things are still a little crazy you know the the numbers keep coming in pretty high uh, the the number of deaths obviously is still a very a difficult thing we're dealing with, uh, the the numbers that they report every day. Uh, I think at one point last week I was watching and it was literally either 45 or 48 deaths a day in our area. So, so still nothing to shake your fist at, you know, very difficult situation we're all going through. And, uh, you know, hopefully we've kind of rounded the corner and uh, we're on the last leg here trying to get things tied up. But that's where we're at. Uh, Let's move into our minute of transparency. So I was thinking this week, uh, a number of things, uh, two things happened and I'll I'll kind of go through one and then just touch on the the second since it just happened yesterday. Um, But I got to thinking, why is it that we are so gullible at times? Now this may not be you, but it's for for me definitely a a thing I struggle with. and then number two, why are other people at times so misguided? And I, I'll, I'll kind of explain and flesh that out a little bit. Um, so I don't know about you, but I find myself getting sucked in to pretty random propaganda. And, and this is something that obviously we struggle with in this, in this country and society. Now with the internet and with social media, I mean, there is just a lot of information out there. And... You know, it's almost like it's April Fool's Day every single day, right? There's there's things that you see, there's videos that you watch, information that comes across your desk, and your, your, your first thought is, or at least my first thought is, are you kidding me? Oh my goodness. And then, you know, on some of the things you find out later that it was just a complete hoax and that someone had either made it up for fun or, uh, you know, in this day and age the scarier thought is that somebody made it up on purpose, right? That it's part of some larger scandal or, um, you know, a a plan behind the scenes to promote bad information for, for whatever reason, either for economic gain or for political gain or whatever it is, but just a, a crazy time to be alive with all of this information. So what I found is that, um, as long as the information 
had some of these items, it, it was very difficult for me not to just kind of get hooked right away. So as long as the person presenting the idea sounds genuine, as long as it sounds like they've done a lot of research, as long as they do a good job presenting their findings, uh, as long as the idea makes sense to me, just on a you know first touch, first blush, uh, sounds good to me kind of kind of situation. And then sometimes you know whether or not I trust the person who sent me the information, um, which is which is difficult because these days people are just you know sharing information left and right. They'll see something and they'll be like, oh my goodness, and half the time they're sending it to you because they're not 100% sure, and they just want feedback from another person. So because of this, you know, I get easily sidetracked on some of these things, and at the end of the day, I'm sure that, you know, there's a level of that 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 could be used to take advantage of me. And, you know, it's a, it's a frustrating thing, and I think I've grown a lot since, uh, you know, since I was younger. And I've matured a lot. And so, you know, it doesn't impact me the way it used to. But at the same time, you know, I think I really fall for some of this stuff. So why why do we fall for propaganda? Well, if you take a look at yourself and kind of the way you operate, I think one of the things that, that comes into play is that we're trusting, right? We're trusting people. Or maybe it's that we really want to be trusting people. So that's one of the issues we face. Another is that we don't want to believe that people are purposefully submitting lies into the universe. Like we want to believe that ultimately people are good and that you know people wouldn't do things like that. Also, I don't believe that uh, people really want to put Satan on that level, right? That that Satan has a impact on this world the way that that he could right so we don't want to believe that satan is so invasive that he's able to influence people or manipulate manipulate people into such careless or uh, dangerous behavior but yet that's the world we find ourselves in so a couple examples so uh, I, I was sent a video the other day that suggested 5g radio waves basically the the new 5g uh, cell service that has been you know, implemented around the world, that that in some way has caused the coronavirus. So, you know, this was a video with a, a, a guy who claimed to have been a scientist and has, you know, worked in the field for many, many, many years, has lots and lots of experience. And, you know, that during his time working for one of these big companies, you know, it was, he saw things come across his desk that were, uh, you know, explaining the impact that these radio waves have on human tissue and that it, you know, ultimately that over the years it has led to some of the medical problems that, that people have faced. So anyway, I'm, I'm not going to go into detail about all this stuff, but it, you know, when you're sitting there listening to it and there's, you know, news footage and there's videos, um, B-roll video of, of things, you know, it just... It's a pretty interesting explanation, you know, that, that somebody spent a lot of time putting together. And so, you know, it's rough, right? It's rough sitting there and hearing all that stuff and, and then finding out that, you know, it's probably just propaganda. And some, for some reason, this person put this thing together. Um, another one, my wife, uh, 
found either someone sent it to her or it just kind of started circulating uh, on the internet but it's it's just the whole concept of you know the the whole COVID-19 thing being a planned event right that there's a a group of people whether political or economic that that have hatched this plan that if they could just release a virus and then eventually release the antivirus or the vaccine that they could make a lot of money doing so and so you know these are these are all videos that start to circulate and then next time you go to try to find the video they've been blocked on facebook or wherever you found them uh, and they no longer exist so anyway just interesting interesting things that come across our desks that we you know we have to weigh weigh the good and the bad of all of these things on a daily basis so i just thought i'd throw that out there it's just a very interesting thing to me you know partly partly my issue right that the the ability to get sucked in and actually start to to believe some of those things but then the second part of it too that it just seems to be a little sinister you know it's like is this really part of a larger conspiracy to to misinform mislead and confuse um just just interesting to think about all right so last week we dove into the first basic assumption we we introduced the concept of controversy theory how it started um, how it shifted venues and how it's now a constant on our planet uh, this battle between two superpowers over each of us uh, we talked about our freedom to choose in the controversy how the earth is a stage and how the universe is watching and that our participation in the controversy is a privilege so today we're going to dive in a bit deeper to that concept and how exactly we participate in the controversy. So this week we're going to talk through a few things. We're going to talk through absolute truth versus relativism. We're going to talk through essential truth, the totality of judgment, and the eternal election. Today's basic assumption, participation is both voluntary and involuntary. So let's jump into number one, absolute truth versus relativism. The whole concept of absolute truth is very important, uh, both to controversy theory and to transcend human, as we'll see. Um, a few epi episodes ago, we talked about the transcend human mission statement, right? So the, the value statements, the statement of belief, and one of the value statements was truth, a willingness to put in the effort to find essential truth. But in order to find what we refer to as essential truth, we first have to understand what absolute truth is. So if you were to do a, a quick Google search and uh, you know try to define absolute truth, you'd, you'd come across a bunch of articles with descriptions similar to this. I found this one just using Wikipedia. But it says, absolute truth is something that is true at all times and in all places. It is something that is always true no matter what the circumstances. It is a fact that cannot be changed. For example, there are no round squares. There are also no square circles. The angles of a triangle add up to 180 degrees. These are all true by definition. Absolute truths are discovered. They are not invented. And they, in, they exist in all cultures. But simply defining absolute truth doesn't make it 
right doesn't mean it exists, right? In fact, this is where people diverge and a, a debate definitely starts. And, and the first question is typically, does absolute truth really exist? Uh, and if people agree that it does, then it moves to the second question, which is, well, how much of the truth out there is actually absolute truth? And how much of it should be viewed as relative truth? So let's shift focus a little bit and look at relative truth, or what is referred to as relativism. So in essence, relativism is the belief that there is no absolute truth. So back to Wikipedia, um, it defines relativism as, uh, or it suggests that truth is existing in different forms based on the people group or culture it exists in. So views are relative to differences in perception and consideration. Our perceptions are always relative to our frame of reference, so absolute truth cannot exist. So then truth is ever-changing or relative. So a simple example of this in, in our country. So there are people who believe that there's absolutely nothing wrong with gambling, right? And there's others who believe that it's morally wrong to gamble. Why the difference? Well, different perspectives because of the two different people's backgrounds, their cultures, where they're living in the country. Um, but, but the truth is still truth to both of them, right? So each person holds that truth to be true, even though it's different. Uh, another term that is often used with relativism is this concept of situational ethics. So it's the idea that the ethical thing to do is relative. In other words, it may be different based on the situation you're in. So here, here's a good example. Stealing, uh, you know, in most situations, you would agree that stealing is wrong. But if your family was out of money and they would starve without food, you could probably steal food and it wouldn't be considered as wrong at that point, right? That's an example of situational ethics or the fact that the concept of stealing is relative to the situation you're in. Now, obviously, we could go around in circles discussing these ideas, but even if we did, we probably wouldn't land the plane on this debate any sooner than we would on the debate between evolutionists and creationists. And here's why. Because what people are really arguing about in debates like these are, are less to do with the topic they're debating and more to do with a larger question. And that question is, does God exist? Uh, in the creation versus evolution debate, obviously God and uh, God plays a huge role in that, right? Because the creationist suggests that there is a God in the universe who created us. And the evolutionist says, no, there is no God. We don't need a God to explain our origin. We can explain it without him. Uh, in, the, in the absolute truth versus relativism debate, uh, a person who believes in God or a higher power is probably more likely to believe that absolute truth exists because it, it kind of has a origin, right? It has a place where it could have came from. Uh, a person who doesn't believe in a God or a higher power is less likely to believe that there are absolutes uh, and would tend to believe in relativism more so than absolute truth. So again, you know, we're kind of getting up, caught up in the weeds here, but um, there's really no point in, in debating it 
if if the real debate is whether or not God exists, uh, you know, controversy theory, <laughs> controversy theory will go out on a limb and answer that one for you and say yes, God does exist. And because of this, uh, controversy theory suggests that there are absolute truths, truths that we can't ignore uh, if we intend to transcend human. So these absolutes uh, typically show up in a couple categories. So let's look at these. Um, there's scientific absolute truth, and then there's spiritual or moral absolute truth. So the scientific truths are, are truths that you know most people would agree are absolute. You know, even even some of the people who believe in relativism will agree that there are absolute truths related to science, right? So an obvious example to that is gravity. Uh, most people agree that the concept of gravity is absolute. If you jump off a cliff, you are going to fall because of gravity. Now, extreme relativists will, will even push back on this and say, well, you know, gravity appears to be absolute right now, but it's only because we don't understand it. If we were to figure out how it worked someday and we could manipulate it, it would no longer be absolute. But let's move on. Absolute truth in a spiritual or moral realm. So this is where the debate really exists, right? This is really where people will argue whether or not absolute truth exists. So they argue because it's more due to a spiritual nature, right? These are these are things that people argue about the existence of God and angels, the existence of Satan, demons, evil, uh, the existence of the controversy, the existence of sin, uh, the existence of heaven or hell, uh, a belief that uh, certain behaviors are wrong, you know, things like slavery or human trafficking, uh, the belief that all people have intrinsic and equal value, you know, obviously, if you believe in God and the Bible, you will be more likely to uh, believe that there are absolute truths in some or all of these areas. Whereas if you don't, you know, you're, you're more likely to follow the, the relativistic view of, well, it kind of depends, right? All right, let's move into number two, essential truth. So I want to shift focus a bit and, and kind of go down a rabbit hole that, that could get me into a little bit of trouble. Um, so controversy theory believes that absolute truth exists, but it suggests that the more important question might be this, what is essential truth? So the idea here is that out of 100 absolute truths, there may be 10 to 20 that are essential to us at any given time essential to our current existence, uh, essential to helping us transcend human, essential to us uh, exercising our freedom of choice in the controversy, essential in allowing us to help hurting people around us. Now, just because these are considered essential doesn't mean we throw out all of the other truths. It just means that we make sure we're focused and on board with the essential ones first, and then we wrestle with the others as we grow. So essential truth is somewhat similar to relative truth in that I can't tell you what yours should be. Uh, if you and I were to sit down and compare lists, they would probably be different. And that's okay because we're all in different places spiritually. For example, some people are just starting out, right? Just trying to understand these concepts. They may not even be fully convinced that God exists. For these people, 
you know, they will probably need to focus on the essential truths related to God, Satan, the controversy, the sin virus, the Bible, our role in the controversy, things like that. Others who may already have these essential truths under their belt may find themselves in other situations in life, uh, like uh, addiction, for example. Um, you know, for these people, what's essential for them at the moment might be completely different than the first group, right? Instead of focusing on whether or not God or Satan or the controversy exists, like they, they already believe that. Um, however, their addiction stemmed from lies that they believe in other areas of their life. So they may need to focus on truths like everyone is created equal. Everyone has intrinsic value. God created us and he doesn't make mistakes. Um, our choices, our habits, and our character are important in the grand scheme of things. Um, and, and the final one, you know, if no matter what we've done, we've never gone too far for God to rescue or save us. So those are just some examples um, of how essential truth, if you can boil down all of the things that you believe to be true, boil it all down into the, the group of things that you really need to focus on um, at any given time in your life, that is what uh, we're referring to here when we say essential truth. All right, number three, the totality of judgment. So the final section in this episode is going to discuss how we can participate in the controversy. But first, it's important to understand the stakes that exist in the controversy. So prior to the sin virus, uh, you know, humans existed in complete harmony with God, right? They lived on earth, uh, the, the earth that God created for them. Uh, they were able to walk and talk with God. And this existence was supposed to be permanent, right? Happily ever after, if you will. But the sin virus brought with it a whole new reality. Now there was separation between God and humans, and the concept of living forever was gone. The sin virus came with an expiration date uh, that was applied to everything it touched, from our physical earth to the animals to us. Uh, we will all die at some point. That's just part of the human condition. So this brings us to the concept of judgment and totality. Judgment is something that we should all understand, right? In this country, we have a judicial system, and the judge is kind of sitting at the top of that pyramid. Uh, when you do something wrong, you go to court, and you may experience a trial, you may have jurors involved, but at the end of the day, the judge passes judgment on you for the crime you committed. Similarly, um, in our lives, we were born infected with a sin virus, and Throughout our lifetimes, uh, we think and we behave in ways that reinforce that fact, that there is sin inside of us. And the Bible is very clear about the fact that judgment for our sins and for our sinful nature was set the minute we were infected with this sin virus. That, um, you know, at birth, we were, we were born with the sin virus and that the ultimate ending of, of that reality is death. And this is the where, you know, this is where the Bible makes statements like, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, um, things like that. You know, not only were we born with a sin virus, but we continue to sin throughout our lives. And so judgment is sure. It's, uh, it's set in stone. There's really nothing um, on, the, on the front end of it that we can do to change that. But we'll talk more about that later. Next, we have this idea of totality. So this isn't a rocket science kind of concept. I mean, the word totality means total, 
right? All-inclusive, forever, permanent, no going back, etc. And this is huge when it comes to the understanding of the impact of death, right? In and of itself, death is a forever thing. It's the inevitable result of the sin virus, and it means beings forever separated from our Creator. And this is, this is pretty sobering when you really think about it, and when, when you really come to understand the following, that, uh, that death is coming for each of us, there is no immediate cure for the sin virus, your lifespan is pretty short, right? Averaging around 75 years these days. Um, and those, you know, there are people who are taken way sooner than 75 years, and it's very sad that their life is cut short. Uh, and, and they have even less time to live on earth. And then once death happens, there are no second chances, right? Death is the end. But luckily, God created a way out, right? He created an antidote to the sin virus. And uh, this is why our choice in the controversy is so important, because it has eternal consequences. Um, now, we'll go into that in more detail in the sixth basic assumption. Um, but for now... Just understand the concepts of judgment and totality. Number four, the eternal election. So this is where we find ourselves, right? Last week we explained that participation is a privilege, uh, but today we're going to go a bit deeper and find out that our participation has two other elements to it. It's both voluntary and involuntary. So let's look at the involuntary first. Right? So we live on a planet infected with a sin virus. When we're born, we automatically get the virus. Also, we're born into a situation where there is a battle going on between two powerful forces. And these forces are battling for our allegiance. Right, They're asking us to choose them in the controversy. A crazy thing to understand about this is that even if you were the last person on the face of the planet, they would still be fighting over you. That's pretty sobering to think about, right? Uh, because of these realities, we find ourselves involuntarily participating in the controversy, right? That we don't, we don't have a choice. We're just in it. But next, participation is voluntary. So we aren't pawns in a global game of chess, right? We aren't, we aren't just stuck um, and, and we just have to play our role no matter what we're told to do. Um, we are given a very powerful tool called freedom of choice. Um, it's a, a choice that Lucifer had in heaven, and we were also given it here on earth. And because we have this powerful tool, we can voluntarily participate in the controversy. That's why it's a privilege, because we have the ability to participate. So let's look at this in, in terms of an election, right? Let's use this election analogy. So a good way to illustrate this is is through the lens of an eternal election. Let's pretend that there that the battle between God and Satan for our allegiance is an election. Both of them are running for the highest office in the land. Um, both of them are asking us to vote, right? Uh, both of them have a platform they're promoting, right? In our political elections, uh, both parties are often focused on the same things with slightly different ideas. But on, in the eternal election, these platforms couldn't get more different. So Satan's platform involves manipulation, smoke and mirrors, lies, uh, making the sin virus look amazing, coercion, strong-arming, threatening, shaming, etc. 
God's platform, on the other hand, is much different, uh, and it includes a focus on love, freedom of choice. He offers a solution to the sin virus, um, you know, all of those types of things. And we'll talk more about this um, in, in future episodes. But just know that Satan's platform is much different than God's. Another element in the illustration is that Satan is the incumbent. So the incumbent is the person who already holds office, right? The one currently in power. And in our political system, interestingly enough, the incumbent is uh, typically the winner in the election. Why is this? Well, who knows? Um, I would suggest that, uh, you know, we tend to get comfortable with the way things are in life. On some level, we're afraid of change. Uh, even if we know that it's changed for the better, sometimes we just can't get over the fact that we have to change. Now, the reason that Satan is the incumbent um, is not because he's better than God, but it's he's the incumbent because we elected him, right? If you if you go way back on earth to the Garden of Eden, um, God set up a a voting booth in the Garden of Eden. It was a tree called the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil, um, and you know, prior to this, God was in office and he ruled the entire universe. But when we voted at the tree, uh, we chose to put Satan in power and everything changed. Because he was elected on earth, then he became the ruler of earth. And so now he's the incumbent in the eternal election that's taking place. Now, this is where the illustration breaks down a little bit. Obviously, in a normal election, somebody wins and somebody loses. Um, in the uh, presidential campaign that happens every four years, you know, there's this big buildup, you have the election, somebody wins, and the other person goes home. Um, but in the battle between God and Satan, it's not a phase thing, right? It's not a every four years or every six years. It's an ongoing voting throughout time. It doesn't go in cycles. It will remain open until the end of time. So the election results uh, will only truly be known when the world comes to an end. However, each and every day, people are voting, and their votes are being recorded in heaven. Unlike an election in, in our political system, where when your candidate loses, you simply try to get them elected the next time around. In the eternal election, your vote actually determines your future, and it is a life and death vote. In our elections, it's easy to say, Oh, my one vote doesn't count. But in the eternal election, your vote is the most important decision you can make in your life. Because of this, uh, controversy theory suggests the following. Vote today. Don't put it off. Sooner is better than later. Now I can hear people saying, why, why, if the voting booth stays open until the end of time, why should I vote now? I mean, I just want to live my life. I just want to do what I want to do. And at some point, you know, I'll figure this whole controversy theory stuff out. It's fine. And that may be true if we were guaranteed tomorrow. But are we? Are you 100% sure that you're not going to be in a car accident next month? Are you 100% sure you're not going to get COVID-19? And that if you do, you're healthy enough to fight it off? Just two examples, real-life examples that should make it very clear. We don't control our lives the way we think we do. We referred to this back in the, um, I believe it was episode 8. We talked about the safety and security trap. And, you know, 
we we don't fully understand how fragile life is and and how thankful we need to be for every single day that we get to get up and breathe and and work and be with our families um at the end of the day we don't get to determine the length of our days on earth because of this sooner is truly better than later casting your vote now records it in heaven and nobody can take that away from you now a final caveat about this illustration um, more of a spoiler alert than anything else uh, the election illustration breaks down a bit more when you get to the end so you'll find that it isn't really a true election where the person with the most votes wins this is the spoiler alert. Uh, Satan would love for you to believe this because it feeds right into one of his other weapons, which is peer pressure, right? So if he can convince us that everyone else is doing it, it makes it much harder for us to choose against him. Peer pressure works because it places a level of fear in your heart, fear that you will stand out, fear that you will be viewed as strange, um, and ultimately fear that you know choosing against the majority might mean that you're making the wrong decision. But this is why it's important to stay strong and to make the right decision regardless of what the majority is doing. Why? Because at the end of the day, the election results in the eternal election have already been promised. So the Bible explains that God will win. Why? Why should this surprise us? Like, why wouldn't he win? He's God. He's eternal. Satan is just a created being who rebelled against God. He was removed from heaven when he rebelled, and in the end, he'll be removed from his position on earth. So the important part of the eternal election illustration is not who will win in the end, because we already know that. The important piece is that each of us get to vote during the election, and that this vote is the most important thing we can do in our life. So let's land the plane. This week, ask yourself the following questions. Where do you stand on truth? Do you believe in absolutes? If so, what are they? Um, or is everything you believe still relative to you? Are you a relativist? Next, uh, what do you consider essential truth right now for you in your life? Um, what are the things that you need to focus on uh, what what do you need to add to your list or remove from your list so that you can move to the next level? Next, do you fully understand the totality of judgment and that without an antidote to the sin virus, death is the end? And finally, have you made your decision in the eternal election? Have you cast your vote? If you haven't and want to cast your vote in the eternal election, but you're unsure how, uh, reach out to us at info at transcendhuman.com and request our free download called My Choice in the Controversy. Uh, we would love to get that out to you. Again, if you found this content valuable, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way, obviously, to get us found in the podcast library. Um, along with posting on your social media, things like that. Uh, anything you can do to help spread the word, that is awesome. Uh, thanks again for joining us and choosing to walk through this series with us. Uh, I'm having a great time, and I hope uh, it's been helpful to you. Uh, next week, we're going to dive into the third basic assumption, which is the big three questions. So until then, keep transcending human.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com, where you'll find ways to contact us and how to access social media channels. If you like the show, you can help us by doing the following. First, tell a few friends about the show. Uh, There's nothing better than word-of-mouth marketing. Second, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, This will make it easier to find the show and encourage others to check us out. Uh, Thanks again for subscribing, and we'll see you next time.